0: Good morning, Manly, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the lands we are coming from, the Gadigal people of the Euro nation. Well, Jono, was a huge week in sport uh, this week, and we'll start with football. It was the women's European final between England and Germany. And England won a tight one, a titanic clash after 120 minutes, 2 1. Ella Toon proved the uh, hero with a delightful. She opened the scoring with a delightful chip before Germany equalised through Alina Magul. Then England grabbed the winner in the second period of extra time, Chloe Kelly, proving to be the hero, bundling the ball over the line. Uh, It was the first major trophy for the England women's team uh, and was played in front of a record attendance for a European Championship match men's or women's in front of 87,192 people at Wembley. But Jono, it was a a fitting final for what's been a really exciting tournament.
1: Yeah, this final was, it basically just summed up the whole tournament as a whole. I mean, it was end-to-end, it had everything, went into extra time, had a bit of drama there as well, so it just had everything. You could see what it meant to both teams as well. Um, I think realistically, both teams played extraordinary on the day, um, it was kind of the tales of two half where first half I felt like England really dominated. Second half came around. Germany really came alive. Um, but then it came down to extra time. You know, it came down to who had the better legs, who had the better player management as well out of those things. And who was going to make sure they made the fewest mistakes. And yeah, it was a scrappy goal in the end. But that sometimes that's all that needs in the game of football. So then that's that's how England was uh, successful there. So congrats to them. Huge for them. And as you said, more importantly as well, the attendance numbers I think is, is great to see. I think we've seen it in the women's game in particular growing so much with club attendance as well in terms of a lot of their games across Europe. Um, so it's great to see that this finals had such a high attendance temper and breaking records left, right and centre.
0: Yeah, certainly a great tournament there hosted in England. And it sets it up next year for the World Cup here in Australia oh, yeah, and New Zealand. Yeah. England will certainly come as one of the favourites and I think Germany will uh, will be there as well. They, they certainly showed their quality uh, throughout this tournament as well. Uh, it was the FA Community Shield as well over the weekend. So obviously the uh, just before the Premier League season kicking off, and it was Liverpool and Manchester City. And Liverpool put down an early marker, three-one victors over Manchester City. It was actually a, a game played with a lot of intensity, considering it's a uh, still a friendly game in, in many sense. But uh, John, o Liverpool looked good, and, and Darwin Nunes also got a, a first goal there for the, the Pools in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what you need for confidence for him going into the season. That's exactly what you want. That's what you take away from preseason is, you know, it means something different to everybody. But I think as a new signing, um, it's really important to start getting your footing in in those early games and in these friendlies as well, just kind of get it going, get momentum going. Um, And so I think this is the momentum that they need to kind of start this Premier League because it's going to be a battle there between them and City the whole year. We know it's going to always be those top two kind of really um, for that race, but a great start for them. Yeah, we will touch on this at the beginning of the English Premier
0: League a little bit later on. There was also a few Super Cups played across Europe. And then the German Super Cup, Bayern Munich, defeated RB Leipzig 5-3. Sadio Mane got a goal there for Bayern Munich. The Dutch Super Cup, PSV Eidenhoven, defeated Ajax by the same score, 5-3. While in the French Super Cup PSG, too strong for nonce, 4-0. It was also the beginning of the Championship, League 1 and League 2 in England, so uh, football well and truly getting underway, as well as the Scottish Premiership, where Rangers defeated Livingston 2-1, and Andrew Celtic, looking to defend their title, defeated Aberdeen 2-0. Aaron Moy also joining him in there at Celtic, so he got a little bit of a run out at the end as well. It was the Australia Cup round of 32 over this week and weekend as well, and Adelaide United defeated Newcastle Jets 2-0. MacArthur smashed Magpie Crusaders 6-0. Brisbane Raw defeated Heidelberg United 3-1. While Sydney FC and Central Coast played out a thrilling 3-3 draw. Sydney FC winning 3-1 on penalty. So all those teams are going to the round of 16 of the Australia Cup. NRL, Jono, there was only one story which headlined round 20. And it was the drama at My Manly and, and the Pride jersey, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. But on the field... Your Roosters uh, defeated my depleted Manly 20 points to 10, while the Parramatta Eels inflicted only the second loss of the year on Penrith as they ran out 34 to 10 winners. In some further bad news for Penrith, Nathan Cleary has been banned for five games uh, after a spear tackle which went really wrong. Uh, The Cronulla Sharks ran out 21 to 20 winners over South Sydney after a Nico Hines' Golden Point field goal, while the West Tigers recorded an upset victory over the Brisbane Broncos in Brisbane, 32 points to 18. So Penrith still stay top, followed by the Cowboys, Sharks, and Storm, while the Roosters round out the top eight. AFL in round 20 saw Melbourne record a convincing victory over Fremantle, 85 to 39, while Joel Selwood celebrated his 350th game for the Geelong Cats as they defeated the Western Bulldogs 94 to 66. The Swans destroyed GWS 112-39, while Richmond recorded a remarkable comeback over Brisbane as they came back from 42 points down to win 104-97 and keep their season alive, meaning Geelong stayed top, followed by Melbourne and Collingwood, while Sydney are now fourth. St. Kilda round out the top eight, two points ahead of Richmond. The Commonwealth Games, China kicked off as well over the weekend and some st- outstanding results by the Australian athletes. Australian swimmer Emmett McEwen became the most successful athlete in Commonwealth Games history after she won the, her 11th gold medal by winning the 50 metre freestyle. Ariana Titmus led Australia to a new world record in the 4x200 metre freestyle final. Kyle Chalmers shook off the drama surrounding former partner Emma McEwen and her new swing partner Cody Simpson, which has uh, definitely caught the attention of social media, to set a game's record of 47.36 seconds in the 100-metre freestyle semifinal. So he has he qualified fastest for Tuesday morning's uh, final Australian time. The Australian 7 women's team, Uh, Won gold after a 22-12 victory over Fiji in the final. So congratulations to the seven women's team there. While the South Africans stunned Fiji in the men's gold game, winning 31 points to seven. While both the Hockaroos and the Kookaburras have started their hockey campaigns strongly as well. The medal tally at the moment, Australia on top on 22 gold medals. England second on 11, while New Zealand sit third on 10. F1 and the Hungarian GP and Red Bull driver Max Verstappen continued his dominance, coming from 10th place mm. to win it, ahead of Mercedes drivers Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. Verstappen extending his lead at the top of the Drivers' Championship, 80 points uh, over Ferrari's Charles Leclerc, with Sergio Perez sitting a further 5 points back. Also in some, uh, I guess, some sad news, but also celebrating a great career, four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel announced his retirement from F1 at the end of this season. So, an uh, amazing uh, career by Sebastian Vettel, and he'll certainly go on to big and better things after his F1 career. UFC 277 over the weekend. Amanda Nunes reclaimed the women's banterweight belt as she defeated Juliana Pennett in a unanimous decision victory, while Brendan Morono claimed the interim flyweight belt with a KO-TKO victory over Kara France. So, some big bouts there at UFC 277. Cricket, and it was the third T20 between South Africa and England. And South Africa have won the third game, meaning they took the series 2-1. South Africa made 5 for 191, with England bowled out for 101, with South African bowler Tabaraz Shamsi taking 5 for 24. So that series now moves on to the test series there. Basketball, and controversial Australian basketball, Liz Cambage has parted ways with the WNBA team, the LA Sparks. Uh, issues apparently between Cambridge and her teammates uh, surfaced before the season. So Jonna that uh that story continues to rumble on in the States. it will be interesting what Cambridge's next move is because uh, uh it's a big uh, thing the LA Spikes letting her go,
1: seeing as she is such a significant player on the court. Yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of a, a telling telling sign as well that clearly there's uh, this off-the-court drama that seems to be following her right now. And so that's that's kind of the thing as well, is what what team is, of course, she's she's great, but what team's really going to be taking that gamble as well um, because there's the potential for issues too. So you don't want anything to disrupt your season. You don't want anything to disrupt your preseason um, and getting ready for the next season as well. So it's going to be, uh, it, it's very um, interesting to see where she is going to land as well and what teams I think you're going to have to make sure. That it's a team that's well-established has great leadership in terms of the locker room to make sure they manage um, the off-the-court issues because clearly there's a lot that surround her. Also, in some sad news
0: in the uh, basketball world. NBA legend Bill Russell has passed away aged 88. He was an 11-time championship winner, including two uh, championships as a coach of the Boston Celtics. And he was actually the first black head coach of any North American professional team um, he was also involved in social justice and civil rights as a spokesman off the court. But John, o, a huge loss uh, for the NBA and sport
1: worldwide. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at what he was able to do for the game, um, it's just incredible what he was able to do afterwards as well. Incredible. Um, he is definitely a legend, not just only for the Boston Celtics, but for the NBA and for sports in general. Um, he is—he just was a great guy as well off the off the court. If you just listen to any of his interviews, everything, you know, his little speeches that he'd give at award shows, he just loved to crack a joke and always put a smile on his face as well. So um, definitely will be missed, um, Bill Russell. But um, man, he has uh, left his mark on the game and in society as a whole. Yeah, true great of,
0: of the game there in Bill Russell. Well, as we touched on a little bit earlier, Jono, eh? the biggest story in NRL and probably the biggest story in Australian sport Uh, Last week, and it still continues to rumble on, was the Pride jersey saga at Manly Football Club. Uh, I guess initially the story came out that seven players from the squad were were refusing to wear the jersey due to their own religious and cultural beliefs. Um, And they stepped down from the game, uh, which took place on Thursday night at Brookvale Oval against the Sydney Roosters. Looking at it from a professional viewpoint, it was a massive game for Manly, who were fighting to try and make that final spot. Um, Jono, before we get into some of the specifics around what occurred and why this situation reached what we saw last week, what did you make of the initial news when you did hear that seven of the Manly squad were going to step down from this game uh, due to their religious and cultural beliefs um, when they were asked to wear this this Pride jersey?
1: Yeah, look, I think for... Uh, you know, I was probably share the view of most people, just a bit of shock, just a bit of, oh, did, did I just read that right? Did I just hear that right? Um, it's something that I think for most people just seems something, yeah, just so simple in terms um, of what could be done. But yet, um, for these issues to kind of come up in today's day, day and age, it just, I think, was a little bit of shock taken back by that. Um, and then, you know, just kind of thinking, Oh well, well, what what, what's unfolded here, and then kind of taking that next step to think and try and read a little bit more about what's actually happening, what what's gone on behind the scenes, what's kind of gone wrong here, because something clearly you know went wrong behind the scenes in terms of at least communication. But yeah, I think initially it was just more along the lines of of the shock, and as well as you know hearing that you know seven players—that's that's that's, you know that's that's a good amount of players. you know, so, um, yeah, I think it was just kind of taken back by the news initially. Um, and then, just like I said, you really just had to kind of get into it and, and really start reading and looking at everything from, from all different perspectives.
0: Like yourself, when I first heard the story breaking, my first reaction was, surely they're going to solve this by yeah. kick-off time or, or by the time the squads needed to be announced. And these seven players will play. I never thought it would actually lead to a case where... They stepped down and Manly were scrambling to try and get a team on the park mm, for Thursday mm-hmm. night. But as we learned, as, as I guess more information came to hand, uh, club captain Daley Trevins and Des Hasler both fronted the media, which I thought was incredibly brave by both of them. They weren't asked to do it. They, they voluntarily yeah. did it to try and give some answers. Um, and both of them um, uh, confirmed that, that neither the players or the coaching staff were... Made aware of this jersey before it was launched, um, so confirming there were little there was little collaboration between key stakeholders, um, and obviously the club making this this decision, which I think comes down to poor execution. Whether or not you agree that the player still should have just worn the jersey, um, that is certainly an argument there. And, and obviously, when we look at Obviously, the the uh, the pride around it and what it represents. It is such an important thing in this society, not just in Australian society, but society in general. But obviously, the players that, that were involved felt like they needed, they wanted to, to be part of the process and they felt like they were left out of that process. So do you think, Jono, the club itself also has something to answer here? Uh, your chairman, Scott Panu, who hasn't really fronted the media, he sent um, he was in New York at the time and, and he sort of, he has made comments but but failed to front the media as has and Cherry Evans did. Do you think in a situation like this, there needs to be a clear communication between the playing group, the coaching group and obviously the decisions that are being made higher up in regards to a jersey like this because whether we like it or not, there are certain people within this society that that probably do find this issue trickier than others because of their own cultural and religious beliefs, which stems from their own family as well. So it's not just the individuals involved here, it's also the family pressures and and the family that they're probably supporting through their NRL
1: career. Yeah, look, I think that this is a tricky one um, because in terms of actually, you know, being uh being involved in those conversations i mean let's just kind of take it back are they involved in all the conversations as to what's being actually put on their jersey in the first place so look at all the sponsors and everything like that are they in those conversations do they have right to be in those conversations i don't think that they're in those conversations Mm -hmm. but they just go ahead and then just wear that jersey and i would say as well you know just as much as let's say that you know um, wearing the rainbow stripes on the jersey might have triggered these seven players. Let's talk about the fact that there's a huge gambling sign pretty much right on the front that could be triggering a alcohol. Lot of fans. Alcohol as well. Think let's let maybe this is a a time that we need to actually look at what's being put on the jerseys because I mean look at even state of origin. It's it's the main thing is 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 really pushing alcohol in front of face. You know, now you look at their Manly's jersey in particular and a couple other in the NRL um, and across sports here's you know um, all these betting companies as well that's that's that, that there's an issue here you know there's a real big issue here and as well as you know it's it's it can be very triggering for people um i think it's wrong realistically to to be supporting you know betting companies and particularly you know some alcohol companies as well i know it's kind of been normalized as well but we're almost normalizing it as well so we've normalized the fact that something that is wrong let's say like betting and gambling and everything we've now normalized it that we're used to just seeing it on but now we've taken something that seems it's it's a right to every person as well to to be able to uh, express their uh, feelings the way they want to to love who they want to but yet now we have a problem with that so you know being involved in the decisions I don't I I I mean look could be very wrong here but I don't think that any of these players are then involved in the decisions as to who are the actual sponsors of the club and then who's getting put on where in the jersey so you know you could begs the question as to well then you know, should they have been discussed in the, in the build up of this? Yes, maybe they should have been notified a little bit sooner or something like that because then they could have, if there were any issues, they could have then worked it out maybe a bit sooner before the before kickoff. So that might have been the issue there. But in terms of actually being involved in the lead up to this, like I said, well, then that means that players should be standing up for all of these. And, and realistically, I mean, then they should be stepping up against betting, they should be getting, stepping up against the alcohol sponsors. There's all these other things that are going along in some of those companies as well. Are these ethical companies that they should be supporting? So there's a lot of things that are being put on the jerseys. And now what all of a sudden that we have we have a problem with it when it's when it's in terms of love and your sexual orientation. It just, it, it doesn't sit right when you're looking at it from that perspective.
0: I've certainly heard that argument, John. And I agree that there's so many contradictions when you really ground down into, into the issue. But what I still think should have been done is I think the Manly club should have, Consulted because, I guess you have your your cultural officers. You have people that are aware of the, the different groups that make up a playing group, and not everyone agrees across the board. Clearly, as we can see in this in this example. So why? How hard would it have been to get the players in a room and and bring in possibly or the only uh, openly gay player that's come out in in NRL, Ian Roberts, who was a manly great. He came out in 1995. A Des Hasler's teammate. Bring him in to the club and get him to talk to these boys. Yeah, and tell them the why is it yeah, so yeah. important. Yep. Why is it so important to the to this community, to the LGBTQI community? Why Why is this such an important yep. thing for them? And yep. they may actually gain a different perspective yep. on on what this is. It actually, has nothing to do with religion or. or Politic, it's not a political it's it's a human side story yeah. why someone at the club didn't think hey that could be an amazing opportunity and to sort of open up uh these discussions and possibly it could have been a real celebration because the other things they were celebrating was the gotcha for life um campaign which which deals in mental health and we know the issues that uh we know the issues that are around the um, LGBTQI plus community and their mental health and the suicide rates. Yeah. Um, yep. 16 to 17-year-olds are almost three times more likely to have attempted suicide in the past 12 months. You've got transgender people aged 14 to 25, 15 times more likely. It was a perfect opportunity to tie both these things together and bring someone like Ian Roberts, who's such an inspirational character, such a spokesman for the community, and he could have talked... The, and you're telling me those players wouldn't have been... They would have been affected by that. Yeah. Seeing someone yeah. who's who's done it all, a manly great, and he's actually telling the importance of it. And I, that's where, for me, it's, it's... I think the intention was right. The execution was appalling. And they've really... This is the mess that's been created. And how the club now moves forward is really going to be interesting in terms of bringing these players back into the fold and making everyone feel... A, I guess about the collective again
1: Yeah I mean look I I, I 100% agree With that as well that you know I think looking at this It's a great idea by Manly to to be You know the first team to really Openly embrace this and, and make sure And even thinking about it that we're in 2022 And it has not yet necessarily been a thing um, is quite crazy, but that's besides the point for this issue. But yes, it had it did come down to the actual execution of it, and actually just having those conversations. And you're right; I think that would have been a much better way, is just having that sit-down conversation. You have a legend of the game who is who's a spokesperson for this, and to be able to come out and sit some of these players down, and, ex- and as you said, really discuss the importance of this. It is really important. It's important to um, the future of the game as well. I mean, you think about. You know, how many players now are sitting here or, sorry, future players in particular, you know, really sitting here, the youths of the game, sitting here and feeling, you know, really distraught right now. Well, the NRL has a code of inclusion. Yeah, yeah. And that's the
0: other part of this, which I think needs to be scrutinized more. Is I think the NRL could have done more as yeah. a body as well. We've heard not much from them. Peter Valenges has come out yeah, and very said- very quiet, very said quiet. He's, he agrees with the players and he also agrees with, this, you know, the pride round by Manly, but we haven't really heard much coming out of the NRL and surely they would have known about this um, before all of this sort of blew up and um, it was an idea by one of the sponsors, and one of the one of the shirt sponsors, and, and they went around to a few clubs and Manly were the one that came and said, hey, I think we can do something here. Um, so I think the NRL should also come under a little bit more scrutiny in terms of what are they doing around this issue and, and why didn't they if they thought you know the communication should have been a little bit more forthright with the players why didn't they suggest that to the mainly uh board as well cuz surely they would have known about it
1: yeah yeah i mean i uh, i you they they would have had to know because you know you'd have to get these jerseys approved and everything like that to to be able to play um so yeah they definitely would have had to know but you're right they could have stepped up and done a little bit more um and it could have been a conversation as well with the NRL as a whole all the players um, all the staff involved as well, that this this really could have been a really good conversation piece to, to kind of show, you know, this, what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be inclusive of all. Because that's the thing, is it's, it's about inclusion as well. And like I said, it really actually, you know, it, it's more, it, it's going to set the game back in terms of more of that youth development now, I feel like. Because, you know, like I said, it's it's just, you would get really discouraged now um, as a young player really looking in, especially if you're struggling um, with the thoughts of potentially you know coming out to family friends things like that, now you feel like you know your teammates or something like that might look at you a little bit differently um and that's just terrible, and I think as well yeah it's just it, it it just makes now um it it's gonna be very interesting to see now how how things come back from this as well and how we can progress not only as manly as a team as a league um and then also now these players as well coming back in to the squad as well. how is that gonna shake up because clearly there's gonna be. Um, a bit of a divide Especially at first Clearly there's going to be Some, some sort of locker room tension So now there, There's a huge Huge job Not just for Manly And the staff and, the, and everybody there But for the NRL For the fans There's there's a huge Now job on their hands To be able to really see How we move forward From this as well now well,
0: What it else, what also I guess it highlighted Was the work That still needs to be done yeah. There's still As much as we have Come a long way As a society And, and there certainly is a lot more acceptance, and, and certainly um, society tries to, to I guess, showcase uh, somewhere where people can come out and be comfortable. The suicide rates, the mental health rates, uh, and people still feeling uncomfortable to come out. How many people, even though there has been some brave sports, but well, how many people do we get coming yeah. out? The Look at the NRL as an example. There's, we don't know too many running around because, and I'm sure there are, yeah, but yeah. whether or not they feel comfortable coming out in, in that arena obviously they don't and I guess the other interesting fact that's come out of this is because I guess the seven players that were involved were were of Pacific Islander heritage and we know how strong religion and family and culture is to that um, to that region the interesting thing that's also come out of is before colonization Pacific Islanders uh, or the Pacific Islander people sexuality was quite fluid Mm. so it's also there's a historical there's a historical part to this whole Saga in, in regards to um, why a lot of Pacific Islanders are so rigid uh, in their viewpoints when, especially when it comes around to religion and, and colonisation so in terms of that I guess um, there's a history to it and that is and I guess they're the things that are, that are slowly hopefully got to be broken down so, so people can move on and, and people can uh, be accepting of, of one another and, and we can uh, collaboratively move on regardless of what you believe in and, and what your cultural beliefs are so hopefully out of this out of out of the mess that, that was created hopefully there could be some positives Yeah, and I think that's what the next thing that I can ask what the next step is the biggest positive I took out of it was the way Des Hasler addressed the media I thought his uh, his speech or, or, or however you want to put it the way he addressed the media was outstanding he didn't vilify anyone uh, but he really spoke from the heart, I thought, and I thought it was a um, a really honest uh, address of the media. So I thought he was outstanding. It's only uh, made his marker yeah. so much more important. They need Des Hazlitt to be there because I believe that if there's one person that can bring the collective back together. Um, it'd be an individual like him. So as I said, out of this, hopefully we get some we get some positives, Jono. But yeah, not a. Not a great week no. uh, for the Manly Football Club uh, or the NRL or Australian sport yep. uh, at the large. So, as we said, we'll, we'll see what um, what happens in in the coming weeks and we'll see how Manly ends the season as well. Well, as we mentioned, Jonna, the English Premier League begins this weekend. Um, it's looking like it'll probably be a battle between Liverpool and Manchester City again this year. But uh, who else are you looking possibly forward to to looking at, and who else do you think could be set for a, a good season
1: or possibly a poor season? Yeah, so I mean, look, I think in terms of uh, looking at some potential good seasons, of course we have Liverpool and Man City kind of sitting there at the top. Um, I think you know Tottenham definitely is going to be up a lot there. of chatter around Tottenham. Yep, I think as well, Arsenal could really, I think they you know could shake things up this year. United definitely depends on what signings they have in the next few weeks. And what happens to Ronaldo? Ronaldo. So potentially, maybe could have a really good season, but very too soon to say. Um, I would say the same thing with Chelsea because let's say you know if they if they shake up their roster a little bit more, maybe they could have a really good season. Um, I think as well, this season's going to be very telling for Leeds too. Um, We've we've seen a shake up a little bit of their roster, so it's going to be and the struggles they had last year. Yeah, so I think. It's really important for them to have a good season and welcome back Nottingham Forest. So I'd love to see them, you know, have a bit of a successful year. I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, and the other one I'm definitely going to keep my eye out um, for all the dirty money that they have is Newcastle. Because, you know what, I just that team for me is just going to be keeping an eye out on, on what kind of controversial things they do next. Um, so we'll see, but um, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting year this year. Well, apparently Newcastle are
0: chasing James Madison. They've already made a bid, which has been rejected uh, by Leicester. So we're interested to see if they do get any more players through the door. The clubs I'm actually outside of the outside of the big top six is, is Everton under Frank Lampard. How mm-hmm. how are they going to travel along? A big club, Everton, and yeah. obviously just avoided yeah. relegation. Um, so let's see how they have a year with, with Frank Lampard and having a full pre season with them. Leicester City are going to interest me. In. They haven't made any major signings. They haven't lost anyone, uh, but no unsignings under Brendan Rodgers. We, we've been used to seeing them sort of occupy that top six, top seven spot. So we be interesting to see if they have a little bit of a, a drop-off. And the other one that I'm keeping is West Ham. Can they continue? Yeah. They had a great year yeah. last year. Obviously, nearly made a Europa League or European final under David Moyes. They have brought another striker in the Italian boy. Uh, so, obviously, getting those striker options along with michael antonio so i'll be interested to see if them if they can have us maintain that success or even build upon it they've kept declan rice they've kept most yeah. of their big guns um but I think it's gonna be an intriguing season as always. And also this year we're gonna have that mid year break for the World Cup, it's which gonna is gonna be very we're starting a little bit earlier. Yeah. It's gonna be very interesting to see how all the uh, how all that plays out. We've never seen it before, so so no
1: one really knows. I think it's gonna be a shake up for those top teams because that's the ones if a, a, a player gets players. injured at in a World exactly. Cup, that could be potentially gone exactly. for the rest of the season. So yep.
0: um it's gonna be a different year. Yeah. And in saying that, Jono I think it's time we make some predictions. So, our five questions this week, we're both going to answer, is going to be some English Premier League themed predictions for the year. Firstly, we'll start with a big one. Who wins the league?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think this one's just going to be a flip of a coin at this point. Um, Like I said, there's still a couple more moves that could happen that could really offset this, but at this point, um, it's either Man City or Liverpool, and I'm going to tip my hat slightly um, to Man City, just because I think the loss of Mane is, I know, believe me, got some new signings there. But I think what he's what he was able to do for that team over a season, they're going to feel it a little bit more than, let's say, some departures that City had. I'm going to go the other team. I'm going to go Liverpool, even though
0: it kills me. But I think Klopp has his team ready to go. They would have been very disappointed to lose the Champions League final last year, uh, to lose the league by one point and almost snatched it on the last day. There's so much motivation there. I think it's going to be close, though. It's a toss of a coin between both those teams. Who wins the golden boot? A
1: few big big guns have come in as well. Yeah, there's there's definitely some. But I'm going to stick with my man who I feel got robbed last year. And my man on the Tottenham Hotspur's son is going to, this year, win the golden boot. I think he should have deserved it just based off his performances last year. I think Tottenham's going to have a big year, that's why. So I think he's going to be up there in the top, at least. So not a bad call, and uh, Conte is certainly going to have his team
0: super fit this year. Well, I'm going to go with the same theme that I went with who's going to win the league, Darwin Nunes, oh. to make an unbelievable impact on this league. The young men's are going to step uh. in there, they're and be, create so many chances with that Liverpool team, uh, and I think he might. He could yeah. potentially be in the race, yeah. whether yeah. or not he wins it, but yeah. I'm going to put his name forward and and say he's going to have a big year. Because if Liverpool are going to win, beat City, they're going to have to score yeah, goals. Because definitely. City, we know one thing, they will score goals. Definitely. Uh, and especially adding Haaland to the mix as well. Who makes the top four?
1: Um, Yeah, look, like, I think that this we is the We know the, the top two, one. probably. Yeah, the top yeah. two. So Man City, Liverpool are going to be there. But I think those other two spots, I think it's it's going to be a hard one. Because like I said, for Chelsea United, very dependent on things. But I'm going to say Tottenham's going to be in there. I'm going to say... Chelsea might just edge out either United or Arsenal, because I wouldn't count out Arsenal either. Um, But I'll say they just might edge them out because they might make one or two great signings in the next week or so, but very much could change. But I think uh, City, Liverpool, Tottenham are my lock-ins. The other, the last spots just for whoever, really. I'm going to go Liverpool, City, Tottenham. (coughs) United Ten uh-huh. Hag Magic
0: this year mate We're gonna Don't worry about the Arsenal mate. They're peaking early He cares about pre-season mate They can win <laughs> as many pre-season games As they want It comes down to the The real game So uh oh, we'll United see. we're gonna We're gonna make a little bit of a charge And finish fourth this year And get us back into the Champions League Especially when we sign Frankie de Jong Who still wants to come to our club oh, As much as he know. wants to you
1: Never know. On the other end of it Who gets relegated? Yeah look Always this a is tough this question Yeah always a hard one Um you know, look, it's, it's always going to be probably one of, you know one or two of the teams that you know do get brought up. So I'm going to go without if it's going to be most likely Southampton, Fulham, and Bournemouth. I think it's going to be those teams. I think Nottingham's going to do enough to kind of stay in, like I said, a club with such rich history. I think really it helps them coming back to the Premier League. Um, and I, I just wouldn't want to see them out so soon, basically, is my eyes, but it could be them as well.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with a couple of those. I'm going to go Bournemouth. I hate to say because I really do like them as a club. Southampton, I think, could struggle. And the other one that i just having is Brentford. Mm. Second year, always tougher the second year. Obviously, they did so well last year. A uh, small club. yeah. But I mm. think they could be in for a bit more struggle. Hopefully, they don't go down. But I just think it could be possibly a yep. little bit of a harder year this year. Yep. And last one, who will prove to be the signing of the year? Transfer window hasn't quite shut. But from what we've seen come through the door so far, Jono, who do you think
1: could be a potential signing of the year? Look, I'm going to go. Uh, i got to go with my nation here um, in the United States. I'm going to go with Tyler Adams to yeah. Leeds. Um, I think he's a great player for the United States national team. I think he's a great player um, as well over um, in Germany. So I think that he'll be able to Im- impact this team, a team that really needs to find itself an identity. Um, like I said, a lot of uh, players exiting A lot of opportunity as well. I don't think there's going to be a set roster as well. So I think regardless, maybe he's not starting right away. I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to play, get some minutes and really prove himself. So I think for the team, um, once he gets solidified in there as a regular, I think he'll be able to make a big impact. I'm going to have a couple of midfielders for for different reasons. First one, Yves
0: Busama to Tottenham from Brighton. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to add um, a lot to that Tottenham midfield, which they needed. And the other one... It is close to my ad. But United, I actually think potentially Christian Eriksen could be a, a great signing. A free transfer. Yeah. He's got a lot more quality than what we've already got there. We've seen what he can be on the ball. So if he potentially can get fit, yeah. I think he could at least add a little bit more range, especially our passing in that midfield, and a bit more creativity than what we already have there. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, it's just hands down great to see him back out playing. Exactly. Let's put that Who way, have thought. Yeah, he is a fantastic player. So I would love to see him be a huge player person for United this year well as always we
0: can't wait for the Premier League to kick off and it all kicks off uh, this weekend well that brings the end another episode of behind the lights with me Seb and me Jonna. as always thank you for your support and good night